Today on episode 170 of the Computer Tutor Podcast, we're going to talk about some of the specific components of a spam email that I got in, and I also have a couple of listener emails who have some feedback from last week's episode about identifying a malicious website. Welcome to another episode of The Computer Tutor, tips, tricks, and advice from a computer pro without all the tech talk. And now, here is your computer tutor, Scott Johnson. Welcome back to The Computer Tutor Podcast. I'm your personal computer tutor, Scott Johnson, and I'm here every Monday morning to show you how to do cool things on your computer. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I'm here to help, and I hope that when this show is over, you've learned something useful. And if your computer has a problem, I can help. I've been doing computer repair since 1999, and in most cases, I can fix your computer remotely so you don't have to have anyone come to your home or your business, and you don't have to bring it into a shop. So just give me a call at 727-254-9078 or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And today's computer tip can be seen at my website at computertutorflorida.com forward slash 170. So let's get started. One of the reasons I use Gmail is because they have excellent spam filters. I hardly ever see spam or any kind of junk mail get through to my inbox. Now, it's not 100% accurate, of course, as no spam filter is, but it's still pretty good. I do still check my Gmail spam folder every so often to make sure there aren't any emails in there that are actually legitimate emails that I want to see. Sometimes I'll find one that got filtered out, but overall I'm pretty happy with their service. But what happens when an email shows up in your inbox and it's a spam or a scam email and you're not sure if it's real or not? I can tell you that some of the spammers are getting very clever about making their emails look pretty genuine. But there are things to watch out for that can help you spot the bad ones. Now, to show you this, I went to my spam folder and I got one to talk about. You can actually see it on my site. Uh, that's at computertutorflorida.com forward slash 170. This is a good spam email to use as an example. It's actually a very short email. The subject line just says, PayPal payment received, ID colon pctutor at gmail.com. Of course, they got that right. That's my email address. The message itself says, this is to confirm that your PayPal payment has been processed. We just need to confirm your email address is pctutor at gmail.com. Click here now to confirm. Regards, Chris from the Payments Department. Okay, basically there are four things in this email that I want to point out. First off is the from address. This email was sent through an email service called MailMinion. So the from address shows that it's coming from them on behalf of quote-unquote payments department. Obviously, PayPal isn't going to use a bulk email service to send out their payment confirmation messages. In fact, PayPal just sends you an email saying you've got money. Kind of like AOL and their famous phrase, you've got mail. Then you just log into your PayPal account, and you see the money in the account. Now, I should mention that just the fact that it's being sent through an email service doesn't automatically mean it's a scam. That's because lots of emails get sent that way. 
In fact, I send out my Monday morning emails using a service called AWeber. AWeber is probably the most popular email handling service in the world. This one called Mail Minion, I'd never heard of. Without having any more information about it, I would assume it's not one of the more reputable ones since it allowed this scam message to get sent out. But I really can't say anything about them from personal experience. The second factor is what's called the blind link in the body of the message. This is actually kind of standard when an email is sent out through an email service. If you get an email from someone you don't know and you weren't expecting the email and you don't know where that link is going to take you, you should never click on it. When I get an email like that, it just gets deleted automatically. For the email here that we're using for our example, I checked it to see where it would lead. Surprisingly, it doesn't go back to the PayPal website. Of course it doesn't, because PayPal didn't send it in the first place. It goes to a website called sarahsconfession.com. Now that certainly doesn't sound like a place where I would be verifying my PayPal payment, right? But what this site really is, is something I never would have guessed based on that domain name, sarahsconfession.com. It's actually a video sales page that wants to sell me some software for trading stocks. And I guess it's not too surprising that what they're selling is also a complete scam. The lady in the video talks about how her bank account right now is around $7 million, and she makes $10,000, $20,000, sometimes even $60,000 per month, and it's all completely done for her by this software. She just clicks a button once in the morning on her computer, and the program buys and sells stocks on her account all day while she's out at the beach or shopping with her friends. She gets home, and she finds she's made another couple thousand dollars thanks to this magical stock trading software. You know, the sad thing is, so many people want so badly for this to be genuine and true that they'll buy it. So you can see the email that I got, the one that told me about this fictitious PayPal payment that I needed to confirm, well, that was just a story to get me to click through and see this video sales pitch. They're hoping I would forget about the PayPal payment and get interested in the garbage they're selling in the video. And that's exactly what happens with a certain percentage of people. They just want to drive as much traffic as they can to this video sales page, and they don't care how they do it. Okay, back to the email. The third item that's a tip-off is down at the bottom in what I would call the footer of the message. It's just one line, and it's supposed to show an address. It reads, Finance Rewards Society, 2205 Rose Avenue, L.A. 70171. They have that there in order to add credibility. I mean, after all, if it was a scam email, would they actually list the name of their organization and their actual physical address? But the fact is, everything about that address is fake. There's no such thing as the Finance Rewards Society. It doesn't exist. And the abbreviation LA, I guess that's supposed to make me think they're in Los Angeles, or perhaps the state of Louisiana, since that's also abbreviated LA, but the zip code 70171, you know where that zip code is? It's nowhere. It does not exist. So this line in the email, designed to make the email more believable, is 100% phony. And finally, the fourth item in the email that's fake is the last line, which is right under the fake address. That's the line where I can quote-unquote report abuse, meaning I can complain about this email, which is obviously spam and a scam. Now think about this. 
This sketchy email service doesn't want anyone to complain to the actual authorities about them. They don't want to get in trouble with their domain name registrar or their web hosting company or their internet provider. But they know that some people are going to get this email and get pissed off and want to complain about it. So they provide that little link at the bottom to give those people the opportunity. Well, where do you think that link goes? Right back to the sketchy email service. So yes, they'll gladly receive your complaint and thank you for the report. And then guess what kind of action they'll take to get rid of the bad people that sent that scam email? That's right, no action. Because they're making money from the bad people that sent that scam email. It's kind of like complaining about the scammer to the scammer. Doesn't do any good, but it makes you feel like you've maybe done something about it. So there are a few things to watch out for. Now, one other thing that's common in these scam emails, but it wasn't seen in this example, is bad grammar and some misspelled words. That's almost always a tip-off. Like when you get an email that's supposed to be from Bank of America, and it says something like, Warning, if you not review your account activity within 12 hours and that you're the account owner, will leave us no choice but to deactivate your account. It's kind of nice to see those mistakes because you obviously know at that point that the email is a fake. And that's something I've been saying for a long time. If there was ever a Nigerian scammer or Russian scammer that was technologically savvy and he connected with an American or at least someone that was fluent in English, that's a team that would steal a lot of money. The grammatical errors are what make a lot of things like this easy to spot. So if you take that out of the equation by having the writing so good like that it would be approved by a corporate marketing department, a lot more people would be tricked into losing their money. Now that's probably already happened, but I would expect it to become quite common once the bad guys figure out the potential there. And before we close this episode, I wanted to read a couple of emails I got from listeners about last week's show. You might recall last week we talked about how you can identify whether or not a website is malicious without having to actually visit the site yourself and risk getting your computer infected. Google offers a service for this, which is what I talked about last Monday. Well, Keith wrote in and said, Hi, Scott. Just listened to your podcast from today. I thought for sure you were going to suggest WOT, Web of Trust, as soon as I saw the topic. I've been using it for years, and it works so well for most people. It's an add-on for your browser, and is so simple compared to your suggestion. The address is www.mywot.com. It presents a green, yellow, or red circle on every link in your browser before you even click on something. And what's good about it is that it doesn't require you to look up the site before you go to it. Just an icon so users can easily see whether they should click on something or not. It doesn't slow down your browsing experience either, that I can tell. Thanks for the great show, and keep up your work. And another listener, Tim, wrote in and offered this suggestion. I believe Google provides a tool installed by default in Chrome and Firefox that does this automatically. He gives one address is google.com slash tools slash Firefox slash safe browsing. And then there's another one that's just, the address is way too long, so I'm not going to read it. But anyway, thanks, guys. I, I do appreciate that feedback. I'll leave it to the listeners to decide what they want to use, since, of course, it's just a personal choice. Now, for Web of Trust, I have actually tried that. In fact, when I just now went to Chrome and checked my installed extensions, I actually have Web of Trust already installed. I remember putting it there quite a while ago, but I currently have it disabled. 
and I don't actually recall specifically why I stopped using it, but I either found it to not be very effective or something. I just don't remember. But for some reason, I turned it off. Now, the other ones that Tim mentioned as being already installed in Chrome and Firefox, I'm not familiar with, so I really can't say how effective they are. But as I said, people should find one that they like and use it, and the important thing is to use your computer safely and just stay away from those malicious websites. And if you have any suggestions or comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can call my podcast voicemail line. That's at 727-386-9468. And as you know, it's available 24-7. Or you can email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And that will do it for this week. As always, I'll see you back here next Monday morning with another computer tip. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Computer Tutor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for a future topic, you're welcome to do so at my website, computertutorflorida.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free Monday morning email newsletter. If you have a computer problem, give me a call at 727-254-9078. In many cases, I can take care of a problem remotely, so it doesn't matter if you're here in Florida, up in Maine, or way out in California. I'd love to help. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. God bless.